their substance was great so that they could not dwell together. And there was a strife between the herdmen of Abram's cattle and the herdmen of Lot's cattle. <clears throat> and the Canaanite and the Perizzite dwelt in the land. And Abram said unto Lot, Let there be no strife, I pray thee, between me and thee, and between my herdmen and thy herdmen. For we be brethren. Is not the whole land before thee? Separate thyself, I pray thee, from me. If thou wilt take the left hand, then I will go to the right. Or if thou wilt depart to the right hand, then I will go to the left. Now this is, this is very, very humble of Abraham because God called Abraham. And God called Abram out of the Ur of the Chaldees into the promised land. And God told Abram that he would bless him. And Lot's just kind of getting the fringe benefits off to the side. And Lot is the nephew. But the uncle says, you know, we're just not able to dwell together. And part of the problem was is that Abram had not really trusted God back in at chapter into chapter 12. There was a famine, and so he went down into Egypt, and uh, he found out that that's not what he should have done. And so he came out of Egypt in the first part of chapter 13 back to Bethel. And I preached that several months ago, uh, getting back to Bethel, which is the house of God. <clears throat> and so Abram's getting right with God. But along the way, Lot picked up some baggage in Egypt. And so both of them had a lot more wealth than they had before. And I think that probably at that time, Lot got a real taste for Egyptian life. Uh, Because the Bible says in chapter 13 here that Lot saw some land that reminded him of Egypt. But I think it's interesting that Abram gave Lot the choice. Because I honestly think that Abram should have had the choice. He is the older one. He should have been the one to be respected. But anyhow, Abram said, Lot, you just make the choice. Now, let me just encourage you to understand something. Choices have consequences. You're free to choose whatever you want to do. This is a free country. You can do whatever you want to do. But you're not free to be avoid, to avoid the choice, the consequence of the choice of what you do. The consequence of what your choice is, is it says in the New Testament, you reap what you sow. And so we see here Lot making a choice. In verse 10, Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, even as the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as thou comest unto Zoar. Then Lot chose him all the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east, and they separated themselves the one from the other. Abram dwelled in the land of Canaan. Lot dwelled in the cities of the plain and pitched his tent toward Sodom. But verse 13 is a, it's almost like it's the Spirit of God saying this under his breath. But the men of Sodom were wicked and sinners before the Lord exceedingly. How could he make such a choice? First of all, I want you to understand this. Sin takes you farther than you intended to go. Sin takes you farther than you ever wanted to go. See, Lot saw greener grass he saw the well-watered plain and he lifted up his eyes and saw that area that we now know as Sodom and Gomorrah. And if you don't recognize the name yet, let me just tell you, the Bible word for homosexuality is sodomy. And you'll see that in a little bit. Lot saw the greener grass of Sodom. Oh, I don't know if Sodom was full-blown homosexual community at this time, but they were headed in that direction promiscuous and whatnot and the bible says in verse 13 verse 13 the men of sodom were wicked and sinners before the lord exceedingly now i'm going to also point out to you that lot never one time i can't find it where lot ever sought god's will for directions 
Bible says in Proverbs chapter 16, verse 25, there is a way which seemeth right into it. Green grass. Hey, if you're giving me the choice, I'm not taking the brown barren stuff. I'm taking the green grass. There is a way which seemeth right into a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Wisdom says, yeah, but green grass plus wicked town. And possibly Lot said to himself, well, I'm not going to live in Sodom. I'm just going to be close by. Now, I want to mention to you here that Lot never sought God's direction, but you know Abraham did. In fact, in the first four chapters, you'll find Abraham built an altar unto the Lord and called it Bethel. Abraham worshiped God in the beginning of chapter 13. You know what you find Abraham doing at the end of chapter 13? Building another altar and calling on the name of the Lord. You know the reason why Abraham and Lot are two different people is because one of them, not always, not perfectly, Abraham messed up sometimes, but one of them tried to remember to ask God, what should I do? It reminds me of what it says in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from from evil. It will be health to thy navel and marrow to thy bones. Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of all thine increase. And so shall thy barns be filled with plenty and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. In other words, put God first and God will take care of you. Do it your way, and he doesn't. You're on your own. Notice in verse 14, after Lot said, I'm going to take Sodom. That looks like really good country over there. And Lot packs up his stuff and Lot's family, and they all move down to Sodom. And just after that, look at verse 14 of chapter 13. And the Lord said unto Abram, after that Lot was separated from him, lift up now thine eyes and look from the place where thou art northward and southward and eastward and westward now i'm not the smartest guy in the world but i know this i know that north is that way and i know that east is that way and i know that west is that way and i know that south is that way and there ain't nothing else but north south east and west that's all in other words if you say north south east west you've covered all of everything so god says As Lot's journeying down to what he thinks is the best choice, God says, Abram, look north, look east, look west, look south. Would that include where Lot's going? God says, Abram, it's all yours. Funny how it is. God gives the best to those who leave the choices up to him. I don't understand why this young man said, oh, 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 oh. Why didn't the young man say, no, no. Abram, you know God better than I do. I don't even know where to go. So then, as I already said, Lot didn't go all the way into Sodom. It just says in verse 12, he pitched his tent towards Sodom. You know how sin is? Sin takes you farther than you want to go because we say, well, I'm not going to go all, I'm not going to do that. Remember years ago, in fact, it was one of the pastors, the former pastor of this church. He told me, he said, you know, he said, I, <clears throat> I was in the Navy and I got myself involved with, you know, alcohol. But I'm not going to drink the hard stuff. He said, it wasn't long I was drinking the hard stuff. I got myself involved with drugs. But I'm not going to do that. It wasn't long I was doing that. Sin takes you farther than you want to go. and keeps you longer than you want to stay. That's the second point. It keeps you longer than you want to stay. Look at chapter 14. 
Now, just to give you a little head note, without having to read every verse in the first part of chapter 14, here's what happened. A bunch of kings around Sodom got together and said, we're going to attack Sodom and Gomorrah. We're going to defeat that place. We're going to take them prisoners. And so these men all got together, and they decided to attack Sodom. And it says in chapter 14, verse 11, they took all the goods of Sodom and Gomorrah and all their victuals and went their way, and they took Lot, Abram's brother's son, who dwelt in Sodom. Now, last time we saw him, he was just pitching his tent toward Sodom. He's in Sodom now. He lives in Sodom and his goods and departed. Soon Lot was in Sodom. Sin takes you farther than you want to go and it keeps you longer than you intended to stay. And what's sad here is we're going to read the next few verses, verse 12. And they took Lot, Abram's brother, who dwelled in Sodom and his goods and departed. And there came one that had escaped and told Abram, the Hebrew, for he dwelt in the plain of Mamre and the Amorite, the brother of Eskel and the brother of Aner. And these were the confederate with Abram. And then when Abram heard that his brother was taken, his nephew, his brother, taken captive, he armed his trained servants, born in his own house, 318, and pursued them unto Dan. And he divided himself against them, he and his servants, by night, and smote them, and pursued them unto Hobah, which is on the left hand of Damascus. And he brought back all the goods, and also brought again his brother Lot, and his goods, and the women also, and the people. And the king of Sodom went out to meet him after his return from the slaughter of Chodolamer and of the kings that were with him at the valley of Sheba, which is the king's dale. And Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought forth bread and wine, and he was the priest of the Most High God. And he blessed him, and he said, Blessed be Abram of the Most High God, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be the Most High God, which hath delivered thine enemies into thy hand. I don't have a lot of time to go into this right now, but verse 18, when it says Melchizedek, king of Salem, Salem means peace. Melchizedek, you'll find in the New Testament, in Hebrews and through reading Psalms, you'll find that Melchizedek was Jesus in the Old Testament. This is the Lord Jesus Christ, the priest of peace, the king of peace. And he's the priest of the most high God. And Abram paid him tithes of all. Abram recognized him as God. That's who you give your tithes to. And this Melchizedek met with Abram. I don't see Melchizedek meeting with Lot, do you? But I can see Lot standing over the side and maybe watching as as Melchizedek is talking with Abram. And Abram is worshiping and paying homage and honoring him with his tithes. And what I see, though, is Lot being pretty blind. Lot was blind to the warning signals. Anybody here ever have some warning signals? I don't remember how long ago I told you this story, but when I was in college at age 19, I was working in Chicago, downtown Chicago at UPS. I don't recommend that today in the middle of the night doing that. But back when I was a kid, I had the two thirty. I had like the ten to two thirty shift or whatever it was, and and uh, I had this Ford LTD seventy seven Ford LTD. The thing was a boat. The thing was huge, made built like a tank, and drank gasoline <laughs> more than I could afford then, let alone today. 
But one night, it, we carpooled, and it was my turn to drive, and we left at 2.30 from downtown Chicago and took off back to our college in Indiana across the state line. And I was on that, I think they call it the Dan Ryan Expressway, and there's like four lanes going one way each way, you know, and there's a center concrete barrier in between us. And I am out there literally by myself. And if you know anything about that old 77 Ford LTD, it's got a speedometer that lays clear across the dashboard. And it goes from zero to 120. And all of the guys fell asleep, of course, and they're just sound asleep. And, you know, and I'm just tooling along, you know, and I'm just, I'm just floating. And all of a sudden I thought, you know, I pushed the speedometer up to 80. That's over the speed limit. And I pushed it up to 90. And I can't even tell we're going any faster than when we were doing 60. Because that, that car was so heavy and built so well. And I pushed it up to 90. And, I pushed, and, and, and all of a sudden, this real intelligent thought hit me. I wonder if I could go all the way to 120. And so pretty soon I watched that needle. I just kept climbing, kept climbing. I mean, I'm, I'm out there literally by myself. I mean, I got four lanes and it's just, it's just me and I'm just going along, just floating and wow. And I didn't have a cell phone back then, but I'd have probably been stupid enough to take a selfie. <clears throat> but I, and, and, I, and I thought about waking up my buddies and telling them what, wow, look at this, this is pretty cool. And then I thought, then I had a real intelligent thought. I thought, I wonder how far the needle goes. And I pushed and I pushed and pretty soon the orange needle just went underneath the dashboard. And there was no needle on the entire speedometer. And we're just floating. I do remember there were two semis in the outside lanes and I was coming up on them pretty quick. And so, of course, I just going to split the difference right between them and, and uh, just right, right between them. And as, as I went by, it seemed like right after I went by, I heard both of them go, argh, argh. You know, and then it seemed like just seconds. It just seemed like seconds. Of course, when you're doing 150 miles an hour, a couple seconds is a long ways. But just seconds after I passed the semi, something exploded. And all of a sudden, the wheel was very hard to handle. And all of a sudden, we're going back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And I can see their headlights. And then I can see some taillights way off. And then I see headlights again and taillights. And I'm wrestling with the steering wheel. And finally, we stop. And we paralleled inside on the, on the inside parallel. And we never touched anything. But we're up against the concrete wall without touching it, pointing in the right direction on the inside shoulder. And we rested right there. And just as we rested, I heard them go by. And my heart was sitting out on the dashboard. I put it back inside my chest. And I realized there's a red light on the dash and it says engine. And I'm shaking like a leaf. And my friends sit up and they're like, what's going on? And I realized that none of them have a clue what I just did. I said, I don't know, I, the engine stopped. And George Trick, who's a farm boy, sat up and said, the engine stopped. He said, I think we got a flat tire. We're leaning. Oh, we are leaning. So I got out, it was the, it was the passenger side. I got out of the driver's side. I opened the door and walked around to the front. They got out and we looked in the front tire. There was no tire. Half of the rim was gone. Sheared off like a semicircle taco. 
down to the hub. And George Schrick from Iowa started kicking me in the rear end. Flat tire my foot. You almost killed us. And I was like, George, kick me again. Kick me again. We got back to the dorm and I called my parents. It was 2 o'clock their time in the morning. I called them and told my mom answered the phone. Hello? And I told her the whole story. Only I didn't tell the funny parts like I told it to you. I just confessed it and said, oh. and my mom was very quiet. And I just say something, mom. And she said, if I could reach through the phone and kill you, I would. I mean, I never thought about anything. I never thought about any of the repercussions or what could happen from that. I'm telling you, by the grace of God, we didn't flip that car. By the grace of God, we didn't hit anybody. I went back the next day and there are figure eights all over all four of those lanes. And by the grace of God, the angels of God were saying, he's stupid. God says to take care of him. We're going to do it this once. And so they're just like, here, okay. And we're spinning the car this way. All right. And then the last angel was like, okay. But can I tell you something? I have never done something like that again. Oh, I, I still have a little bit of a heavy foot, but I have never done anything close to that again. It wasn't but a few months later that the Holy Spirit said, do you realize you could spend the next 20 years in prison if someone had died that night? Listen, we're all stupid. Not maybe as stupid as I am, but we're all stupid. And when your uncle comes and rescues you, because you're in Sodom, which is an exceedingly wicked place, and God allows wicked people to then take you as captive and you now are a slave and you are in Sodom and now you're a slave going out of Sodom and here comes Uncle Uncle Abraham to the rescue and he rescues you. And on the way back to your home, Uncle Abraham and you are riding along on your camels and I can't help but think that Uncle Abraham might be saying something like, Lot, are you sure you're doing the right thing? Are you sure your choice is the right choice? Lot, I noticed some of these people you, you called neighbors. I don't know if there was a conversation like that. I just know this. Lot didn't learn any lesson. Not only did he ignore the warnings, but he ignored the good example. The good example was his uncle Abraham. Notice this about Abraham. Verse 21, the king of Sodom said to Abram, give me the poor persons and take the goods to thyself. In other words, just give me Lot and all the other people and you can have all the wealth. And Abram said to the king of Sodom, I have lifted up my hand unto the Lord, the most high God, the possessor of heaven and earth, that I will not take from a thread even to a shoe latchet and that I will not take anything that is thine, lest thou shouldest say, I have made Abram rich save only that which my men have eaten in other words Abram said I don't want you to give me one thing because I don't want any of you people to tell the rest of the country that you're the ones that made me rich it's my God that's going to make me rich 
And you know who heard him say it? Nephew Lot. You see the difference between Abraham and Lot? Abraham says, I'm going to trust God. And if I'm going to be wealthy, it's going to be God that does it and not anybody else. And I think by this time, Abraham's looking at Sodom and saying, I don't want anything you guys have. He was a good example to his nephew. But sadly, his nephew was too blind to recognize that. Sin takes you farther than you want to go. And sin keeps you longer than you want to stay. And sin will cost you more than you ever wanted to pay. Look at chapter 19. Chapter 19, it says in verse 1, And there came two angels to Sodom at even, and Lot sat in the gate of Sodom. You know what that means? That means that Lot was now one of the city officials. Sitting in the gate of Sodom means you're like a judge or you're like someone that makes decisions. You have rank. You, you've probably won an election or, or two. And Lot sat in the gate of Sodom and Lot seeing them rose up <clears throat> to meet them and he bowed himself with his face toward the ground and he said, Behold now, my lords, turn in, I pray you, and tarry all night and wash your feet and you shall rise up early and go on your ways. And they said, Nay, but we will abide in the street all night. Now these are angels. He thinks they're men, strangers. And he pressed upon them greatly and they finally, they turned in unto him and entered into his house and he made them a feast and did break unleavened bread and they did eat. And you know why he wanted them to spend the night in his house instead of out in the street? You're going to find out in a minute. Verse 4, but before they lay down, the men of the city, even the men of Sodom, compassed the, the house round about, both old and young, all the people from every quarter. And they called unto Lot and said unto him, where are the men which came into this, to thee this night? Bring them out unto us that we may know them. And if you don't understand what know them means, that we may rape them. New meat just arrived. Verse 6, And Lot went out at the door unto them and shut the door after him and said, Now listen to what Lot says to these wicked Sodomites, who he is one, actually. He's actually a Sodomite himself. He's not practicing homosexuality, maybe, but he's a citizen of Sodom. Verse 7, he said, I pray you, brethren, do not so wickedly. Behold now, I have two daughters which have not known man. Let me, I pray you, bring them out unto you, and do ye to them as it is good in your eyes. Only unto these men do nothing. For therefore came there under the, the shadow of my roof. What? What? Excuse me? You, you, you just offered your two virgin daughters to these filthy men? Sin takes you farther than you want to go, keeps you longer than you want to stay, and costs you more than you want to pay. How in the world can you say that? I'll tell you how. Because in order to get what you want, you've got to compromise if you don't do it God's way. Notice what it says in verse 9. And they said, stand back. And they said again, this one fellow came in to sojourn, and he will needs be a judge. See? He wanted us to make him something. Now will we deal worse with thee than with them? And they pressed sore upon the man, even Lot, and came near to break the door. So they were going to attack him. In verse 10, the angels, the men, put forth their hand and pulled Lot into the house to them and shut to the door. 
And they smote the men that were at the door of the house with blindness, both small and great, so that they wearied themselves to find the door. The angels yanked Lot back inside and then caused the rest of these evil people to be blind temporarily. So they couldn't crash through the door. Compromise leads to even more compromise. Hey, if you, wanna, if you want sodomites to elect you, do you think you're going to preach on sin? Do you think Lot tried to start the First Baptist Church of Sodom? Do you think there was any, any, any mention of how they're wrong and evil and, and wicked? No. No, because I want something. I want some position here. Compromise leads to even more compromise. Now, I know this for sure because the Bible gives us more details that Abraham, he had made some stupid mistakes too and he compromised, but because Abraham wasn't living in Sodom, his compromise wasn't as costly as Lot's. But I know this about Abraham. There was at least one time where Abraham listened to his wife. His wife came up with a real dumb idea and he listened to it. I'm going to tell you right now, I have a wife that a lot of times I'm glad she's there to tell me and to remind me and to give me some advice and some suggestions. But let me tell you something. A lot of times it isn't the lady that's supposed to lead, just like the letter that Ray Martinez wrote. It's, we're the leader, not the ladies, and we're supposed to know what to do. And sometimes our wives will help us to remember what to do, but we're supposed to know what to do. But I'm saying all this to say that I don't think Lot was just by himself on some of this stuff. I think maybe Mrs. Lot was involved. In fact, back there in chapter 13, I can just hear, and again, I'm using my imagination, but I can just hear Mrs. Lot saying, oh, that's beautiful down there. And they've got a, they've got a ball, and they've got a really nice, and they've got this, and they've got all these nice things, and, and oh, we've never had the comforts, and our kids could really enjoy, and we don't necessarily have to live in Sodom, but just close by so we could enjoy. And, and, and then, oh, Lot, guess what? There's a position open, and you could run for, and you could be elected, and you, and you might have to compromise and maybe keep your mouth shut about all this other stuff, but you, you could make a difference if you get elected. <laughs> That's not how America works. America was different when we had grassroots people, not when we just elected somebody. When we Americans, it's called we the people, not them the elected. We is the, we is the, the, the fault. We is the one. We can point at our officials all we want. We is the reason why they're there from a long time ago. And you don't, you don't necessarily change people by just being elected. He must need to be a judge for us. Didn't make a difference in their city. How do you make a difference? Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. How many of us are doing that? Abraham, during this time, is praying to God and saying, Lord, if there's just 10 righteous people in the city, would you spare the city? He started with 50, but he thought, I bet you Lot's not preaching very much. So he got down to 10. Would you just spare the city if there was 10? And if Lot and Mrs. Lot and those two virgin girls and then the girls that he already had married and their husbands were all believers, that would have been 10 by itself. And God said, for 10, I'll spare the city. And we know the story. There wasn't 10. There was no influence. You see, it's never, listen to this, it's never right to do wrong in order to do right. Situation ethics don't work with God. 
Here's what God likes. You do right and then watch me do the impossible. You preach truth even though they don't want to hear it. Well, I'm afraid to invite someone because I don't know what John Getch might say. Who in here thinks John Getch is going to say something that isn't truth? You just invite them, and if they don't like truth, that's on them. We're supposed to be salt. But if the salt has lost its savor, it's not good anymore. We're supposed to be the salt of the earth. And when salt does its work, it preserves and purifies. Lot was not salt. Lot had obtained political position. But however, Lot had lost his testimony in Sodom. He gained elected position, but he lost something more important, and that was his testimony. It says in verse 12, And the men said unto Lot, the angels said unto Lot, Hast thou here any besides son-in-law and thy sons, thy daughters, and whatsoever thou hast in the city, bring them out of this place. For we will destroy this place because of the cry of them is waxen great before the face of the Lord, and the Lord hath sent us to destroy it. And Lot went out and spake unto his sons-in-law, which married his daughters, and said, Up, get you out of this place, for the Lord will destroy this city. But he seemed as one that mocked unto his sons-in-law. He ran into their house late that night and beat down the door. Hey, wake up, get dressed, pack your things. We got to get out of here. God's men are about to destroy the whole place. And the sons-in-law just looked at him and probably looked at the daughters, their wives, and went, oh, your dad's on another one of his religious speeches again. Oh, sure, sure, sure. And they just laughed at him. What happens when you don't have a testimony? Even if you're right, no one's going to listen. Even if you're, you're finally decided to tell the truth, no one's going to believe you. You cried wolf so much. And he'd lost his testimony. I can't think of a worse thing to lose. If, we lo- if I lose my children today, they'll be in heaven. I know they're all saved. If I go home and find my house burned to the ground, bummer, man. Especially since I know what's for lunch. But there's nothing like losing your testimony. You lose your testimony, it's done. And you know it takes years to build a testimony and only takes a little bit of time to destroy it. Now, let's understand, if you've done some things you ought not done, as Abraham did, you can confess that and say, hey, I was wrong. And I gotta live with my mistakes. And then your testimony is good again. And you can use that and say, look, that was wicked and I should have. But we never see Lot doing that. And what we find instead in verse 15 and 16, and when the morning arose, then the angels hastened Lot, saying, Arise, take thy wife, thy two daughters, which are here, lest thou be consumed in the iniquity of the city. And while he lingered, I, I find this amazing. While he lingered, the men laid hold upon his hand and upon the hand of his wife and upon the hand of his two daughters and grabbed them and drug them out of the city. The Lord being merciful unto them, the Lord being merciful unto Lot, 
And they brought him forth and set him without the city. We can't destroy the city until you're out of the way, Lot. Why is that? You'll find this amazing, and I'll, I'll mention this again later, but Lot was saved. I, he don't live like a saved person. You could have fooled me. The Bible says he was. And so in the mercy of God, it says the, the Lord, and it doesn't say the Lord being merciful to them. It says the Lord being merciful to him. And they grabbed all of them and pulled them out of the city and tossed them out and said, get out of here. And I just want to say they were so fondly attached to Sodom. There's nothing worse than realizing how attached you or your loved ones have become to this world. I love that hymn we have in our book. It says, this world is not my home. I'm just passing through. I, I read the news and I read, I read crazy stuff and I read just bizarre stuff. And I'm just like, you know what? Crazy world, but I'm glad I got a better one I'm going to. I'm saved. I'm on my way to heaven. Now, here's what's even more crazy. He argued. I'm not going to read all the verses. But they said, now, you get to the mountains. They drug him out and they said, you guys go, don't stop till you get to the mountains. And Lot said, oh, we don't want to go to the mountains. Can we just go to the next city over there, Zoar? Can we just go there? Can we just, we don't want to go all the way to the mountains. Do we have to go to the mountains? At this time, if I was Lot, I'd be like, zip it. Just zip it, Lot. There is no reason for you to be arguing anything. They just drug you out. Mercifully, they drug you out of this city. Lot still argued for a compromise in his separation. Do we really have to separate from Sodom that much? Can't we just be close by? Do we, do we, listen, God wants his people to be separate. By the way, where's Abraham? Long ways from here. And so many Christians don't want to be separated. Can't we stay close by? And finally the angel said, fine, go, just get out of here. And they went, but then they got so scared, they, they finally ended up in the mountains anyway. By the way, God's way is always the right way. Now, notice this. Lot lost his whole family. He lost everybody. It says in verse 23, the sun was risen upon the earth when Lot entered into Zoar. And then the Lord rained upon Sodom and upon Gomorrah, brimstone and fire from the Lord out of heaven. And he overthrew those cities and all the plain and all the habits of the cities that which grew round about upon the ground. But his wife looked back from behind him. They said to them, do not look behind thee, verse 17. And she looked back from behind her and she turned into a pillar of salt. I don't know where it's at. A lot of people believe that this area is now under the Dead Sea. There's a lot of sulfur there. I've been there. It's, it's, so, it's so sulfuric. It's like you can feel it stinging your face. There's so much sulfur and salt. And somewhere over there is Mrs. Lot turning around to look back at Sodom. And God had enough. And she just became a pillar of salt. And, and, and Jesus said in Luke, he said, remember Lot's wife. What is she known for? This right here. And I can't help but think that it's almost kind of poetic justice. Y'all wouldn't be salt 
y'all wouldn't be salt. You wouldn't be the salt of the earth and be a, a difference maker. And so, boom. We keep going. It's not just Mrs. Lot. So we see here in chapter 19, but his wife looked back and became a pillar of salt. And Abraham got up early in the morning to the place where he stood before the Lord. And he looked towards Sodom and Gomorrah from way off in the distance on the ridge and toward all the land of the plain. And behold, lo, the smoke of the country went up as the smoke of the furnace. And Abraham knew they were being destroyed. He didn't know for sure about Lot. Verse 29, it came to pass when God destroyed the cities of the plain that God remembered Abraham and sent Lot out of the midst of the overthrow when he overthrew the cities in which Lot dwelt. And Lot went up out of Zoar and dwelt in the mountain and his two daughters with him for he feared to dwell in Zoar. Remember, they told him, don't go to Zoar, go to the mountains. And he dwelt in a cave, he and his two daughters. So finally he's down to himself and two girls, the same two girls that he was going to offer to those wicked rapists, those homosexual sodomites. And listen to what happens next, verse 31. And the firstborn said unto the younger, Our father is old, and there is not a man in the earth to come in unto us after the manner of all the earth. As far as they're concerned, God's just destroyed the whole world. They just saw fire and brimstone fall out of the sky and destroy their, their entire town. So she comes up with this real bright idea, verse 32, Come. Let us make our father drink wine and we will lie with him and that he may, we may preserve seed of our father. And they made their father drink wine that night and the firstborn went in and lay with her father and he perceived not when she lay down nor when she arose. Is that disgusting? Verse 34, and it came to pass on the morrow that the firstborn said unto the younger, behold, I lay yesterday night with my father. Let us make him drink wine this night also. By the way, where did they get that? Where did they get the wine? Why was that important to pack? And why do they own any? It's not doing anybody any good. There's a huge funeral yesterday in Custer because of alcohol. Has anybody learned their lesson? So let's do it again. So that you can get pregnant too. Verse 35, and they made their father drink wine that night also, and the younger arose and lay with him, and he perceived not when they lay down, and when she arose. Thus were both daughters of Lot with child by their father. And the firstborn brought forth her son, and they, she called him Moab. And the secondborn brought forth her son and called him Benami, which is the father of the Ammonites. And Lot became father to his own grandsons somebody said yeah he got he got his two daughters out of Sodom but he couldn't get Sodom out of his two daughters see why you shouldn't be living in Sodom I mean most girls wouldn't even come up with that brainy idea how do you even come up with such a crazy wicked imaginative idea it's because you're living in Sodom. It's because you've surrounded yourself by this kind of thinking. He vexed his righteous soul, the Bible says. He lost his own family. Now, the Bible, the Bible says, whoso covereth his sin shall not prosper. How do you end up with kids like this? 
instead of disciplining them and dealing with them and pointing them to the Lord Jesus Christ and sitting down with them and saying, here's what God's word says. As we preached last week, children, obey your parents. I don't think Lot and Mrs. Lot were teaching their kids much anything about God. Whoso covereth his sins shall not prosper, but he that confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. Now, I've taught you about Abraham. I want to keep reminding you about Abraham because all this time that Lot is getting this terrible stuff happening to him, why? Because of his choices. Over on the other side, you've got Uncle Abraham who also made choices. And Abraham had some tough choices, and sometimes he didn't pass those choices very well. He didn't do the right thing, but he learned, and he got right with God, and he'd get at the altar, and he'd pray to God, and God would take care of Abraham. And then one day in Genesis chapter 22, God said, Abraham, I want you to take your son, your only son Isaac, and I want you to offer him as a sacrifice. And what's amazing is this, Abraham obeyed God and took his young son with him and was ready to offer him as a sacrifice and God literally stopped him from using the knife to kill his son. And what we see here is one man afraid to lose his family. One man afraid to lose his family if he doesn't give them all, what all they want. I mean, Mrs. was so in love with Sodom, she turned around to look back at it. One's afraid. And so when you're afraid, you're going to lose your family. Just like Adam was afraid he's going to lose Eve, he made compromises for Eve. We all know how that turned out. And this man, Lot's afraid to lose his family. Guess what? He lost them anyway. And over here, you've got a man whose God said, you sacrifice your son to me. And he was willing to do it. And guess what? He didn't lose his family. In fact, he's known as Father Abraham because he's got a huge family. And you and I that are saved are included in that family. (laughs) We just got done studying in our Sunday school class on Hebrews 11. And there's like half the chapter is devoted to Abraham. By faith, Abraham. By faith, Abraham. But you notice what I noticed in Hebrews 11? It never says by faith, Lot. According to 2 Peter 2, Lot vexed his righteous soul. He He is in heaven, but he walked into heaven alone. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 3.15, saved, yet so as by fire. You might as well count those two daughters as a lost cause. Moab and Ammonite, that was not a good thing. Do you know you can either walk into heaven, even if you're saved today, you can walk into heaven like Lot with nothing. Or you can walk into heaven like Abram. It's all about your choices. Now, if you've never even chosen to be born again and to be saved, you're not going to heaven, which is like Mrs. Lot and several of his children. Lot was saved, but so as by fire. And Lot entered heaven a whole lot differently than Abraham did. I'm grieved when I see Christians go off into sin. And not only am I grieved, but I'll have to be honest with you. If I see Christians doing wicked things, and going off with a hard heart and rebellion, I, I have to wonder, are they saved? Now, I'm not God, so I don't, I don't know. But I have to wonder. Wouldn't that be a sad thing if someone said that about you? You know, I, I, they say they're a Christian, but I can't really tell. 
I mean, their family doesn't really show that. Abraham, was Abraham a father? Oh, oh, Abraham, you know that man. No, he wasn't perfect. But that man was a follower of God. Which testimony would you rather have? Choices come with consequences. Going to heaven is wonderful by itself. But I don't want to go alone. Lots in the Bible for one reason. To teach us a lot. To teach us how not to do it. And conversely, Abraham's in the Bible to show us that yes, we make mistakes and yes, we have lack of faith, but if we'll keep turning to God instead of listening to our own understanding and our own reasoning and let God be God, choices have good consequences. You do reap what you sow. Let's bow our heads for a moment. Our heads are bowed.